0: Gather, welcome to church and thanks for being with us today. My name is Josh and I'm the pastor here. Hey, if you are interested in any of the groups we have uh, happening, uh, getting more involved by serving or giving, you can go to gatherhouston.org slash involved and check all of that out. I would love for you to do that. And then we're going to start our online liturgy today with this prayer of welcome that we've been doing during this Lenten season. This is the third Sunday of Lent. And this is just a practice for us to sit, to kind of uh, awaken ourselves a little bit to the presence of God. And the first uh, section of this prayer uh, that this piece of visual liturgy walks us through is, Welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today, and I know that it's for my healing. And that, those simple words, that is a prayer I say all the time. I was reminded, uh, I'm going to tell you more about it, but three weeks ago when our son Henry was born and I was waiting in the waiting room to be called back into the operating room for Katie's C-section, I prayed to myself over and over and over again, welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today and I know that it's for my healing. And those simple words just brought me so much comfort in the like, 30 minutes that I set, just twiddling my thumbs. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today, and I know that it's for my healing. So I hope that you engage with this prayer, but then I hope that you take it with you, that it's not just for this 35-minute online liturgy, but that you really hold on to it, to it and take it uh, with you through the week. So gather, I'm glad you're with us today. Uh, let's begin this liturgy by praying and reflecting.
1: The light in the darkness you see. There's life for a look at the Savior. The life more.
0: Before we get started with our teaching, we're going to participate in our Confession of Faith. Uh, This is an open declaration of the kind of faith and really the kind of people uh, that we want to be. So I'll say this Confession of Faith, and then I'll pray for us. Gathered, this is the faith we are seeking. We are seeking an expansive faith. We believe our theological system should always be growing wider and including more. We are seeking a faith rooted in the person and the practice of Jesus. We believe Jesus is God and is worthy of our worship and our imitation. We are seeking a faith built on a foundation of theological minimalism. We believe in holding tight to the first things of faith and living open-handed with the rest. We are seeking a faith marked by curiosity. We believe we should always have more questions than we do answers. And we are seeking a faith filled with compassion. We believe our beliefs are never more important than the person right in front of us. So, gather, as we prepare to open the scriptures, let's pray together. God, we are here as seekers, not seeking answers, but seeking wisdom, not seeking doctrine, but seeking a way of life inspired by the radical love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it is good to be with you today teaching. Uh, I didn't preach for four weeks. Uh, that's the longest I've been away uh, from this uh, stool for three years. And uh, this Sunday also marks three years since the very beginning of our community, since uh, the church's very first Sunday in this space. It also marks two years uh, since our first online liturgy, since the beginning of the pandemic. And so I think what I'm trying to say is that it's just really good to be here. It's just really good to be here and to be doing this with you. So thank you for being here with me. So today is the third Sunday of Lent and this uh, Lenten season We're having a conversation as a community about moving from fear to love. The the Lenten season is ultimately a really human season. It's a season about our humanity. And to know love is to be fully human. I'm going to say it again. To know love is to be fully human. This is our Lenten journey. To know love and to be fully human, fully alive, finally our fullest, our truest selves. And so today we're going to have a conversation about moving from fear because fear says there's never enough, but love trusts abundance. Fear says there's never enough, but love trusts abundance. Or the voice of fear speaks scarcity over us, tells us to pursue more and more and more. Fear tells us this lie that we aren't enough, that we can't do enough, that we can't earn enough, that will never achieve enough, right? You know this story. You know this story that you should just do more and more and more and more and more. Me too. But love trusts abundance. And I like this word abundance, uh, but I know it might come uh, with some kind of religious baggage for some of you. So sometimes if uh, there's a, a preacher, hold the microphone, talking about abundance, uh, people's mind immediately clicks into like a, he's about to ask me for money and tell me that if I give money, then I'll get more money, right? I'm not I'm not uh, talking about some uh, version of like righteous gemstones here. When I say abundance, I just mean um, there is plenty. There's plenty. Love trusts that there's plenty, that there's enough. Not opulence, plenty. Right? No, not an endless pursuit of more. There's just already enough. Right, The voice of love invites us to trust that we already have everything we need. Right? There's a really interesting parable that Jesus tells uh, in Matthew chapter 20 that I think can help us frame uh, these ideas. This idea of scarcity and abundance and enoughness. Let, let's read this together. It's a long one. So it's Matthew twenty. 1 through 16. So Just just stay with me. This is what it says. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. The landowner agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, the landowner went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon And about three in the afternoon did the same thing. And then about five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. So he said to them, you also go work in my vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired, going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last only worked for one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for this denarius, take your pay and go? I want to give I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Verse 16, so the last will be first and the first will be last. Because it's a long story, but I, I think you get it. This is what Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like this, a landowner who pays the workers the same, no matter how much they work. That's what the kingdom of God is like, a landowner who pays the workers the same, no matter how much they work, okay? So I think what's happening here is that in this parable, Jesus is challenging our typical deservedness framework. And here's what I mean by that. We live inside this framework where we're able to decide who or what is deserving or undeserving. Right? We use this kind of equation or formula or framework all day long to determine who in our life is deserving or undeserving. Are you uh, deserving to make this complaint at work? Are you deserving to have what you have or not have what you don't have? And I think the formula we use all day long is something like time spent plus right action equals deservedness, right? So if you spend a lot of time working at something and you make the right decisions, then you deserve it, right? If you take out one of these things, right? We don't like uh, people who are an instant success. We immediately think, you don't deserve that. doesn't matter how hard they worked, what decisions they made. If you don't spend a lot of time at something, if you haven't thought it over, if you've come to a hasty decision, you don't deserve it. Or uh, if you don't if you don't behave with right action. So if you don't work hard, if you don't do the right things, if you don't make the, the right decisions, which by the way, the right things, the right decisions, the right action, uh, we're usually the arbiter of other people, whether they are making the right decisions, right? We get to decide. But but we fit people inside this formula all day long. Have you worked the right amount and made the right decisions? Well, then maybe you're deserving, but I'll get to decide. And that's what the workers are doing here. It it says in verse 12, it says uh, the the workers who got there first started to grumble against the landowner. Of course they would. They grumbled and and they said the people hired last got paid the same as us. They're using this deservedness formula to say we put in the time and we worked in the heat of the day. That's what it says. So we, t- we worked all day, and we worked hard we deserve. And Jesus is challenging this deservedness framework that we use all day long. Jesus says that the kingdom of God doesn't operate on a deservedness framework. It's a belovedness framework. Right? Scarcity, and deservedness work on the same zero sum equation, right? As if there isn't enough, as if someone might be getting uh, what belongs to you, as if if someone gets more, you get less. As if there's not infinite love and attention and grace and kindness and resources available for everyone. And we live inside this world of scarcity that tells us to walk around and claim as deserving or undeserving to make sure that no one gets what's ours. And so we walk around and we use our little equation and we say deserving, deserving, undeserving, undeserving, deserving, deserving. And I think what this parable teaches us, and this idea of abundance, that love speaks abundance over us. That instead of walking around using this formula to say uh, to say deserving, undeserving, deserving, undeserving, that we might just look out at the world and claim it all as beloved. That there is plenty. Right. This is the journey from fear to love. Fear says, "Do the math." And love says, "Call it all beloved." And for many, if not most of us, our religion has been built on a deservedness framework. We've been taught that we are undeserving. In fact, I have heard it in so many religious spaces. I've said it myself, and I'm sorry about it. I have said that you and I are actually deserving of an eternal hell, that that's what we deserve at our baseline, to burn in hell forever. That's what we deserve. That's what, I've said it. You've heard it. I don't think God is looking around at humanity saying undeserving, 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 undeserving. I don't think he's using the deservedness framework at all. That's what Matthew 20 seems to say. It seems as if God isn't saying deserving, undeserving, undeserving, undeserving. But God is just looking at you and saying beloved, beloved, beloved. No framework, no math. There is no scarcity because there is no accounting. No deservedness because no one is keeping score. Only belovedness. No zero sum. Right? And this deservedness equation, it gets really obviously challenged uh, when you have a newborn, which in case you didn't know, I have a newborn. Uh, Henry Baldwin Hilburn, he was born on 2222 uh, 22 and he has been a joy. But if you pull this formula back up and you say, okay, time spent plus right action, hard work, equals deservedness. Well, uh, Henry's been here about three and a half weeks. He hasn't been, he's an instant success. He hasn't put in a lot of time. And I'm going to be honest with you, he's not a very hard worker. He's kind of lazy. He sleeps a lot. At least during the day, he sleeps a lot. And we know kind of intuitively that for children, for babies, we wouldn't use a deservedness framework. No, no, they're kids. We don't say that for kids. No, kids, they're not deserving or undeserving. Babies, no, they're just beloved. We know that. We know that. And I think that's why so often in the Bible we get verses like this, 1 John 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. That God just calls us his kids because there is no scorekeeping. There is no accounting. There is no scarcity. Just beloved, 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 beloved. So if we want to hear the voice of love that tells us that there is abundance, that there is plenty, that there is enoughness, we'll have to move from deservedness to belovedness. So I wonder if you know that voice of scarcity, that voice of not-enoughness. And I wonder if you use a deservedness framework. Or do you judge how deserving other people are for things they have or don't have? Maybe just think maybe even big groups of people, the poor, houseless you see, the immigrants, the incarcerated, deserving, undeserving, do you use that framework? And I wonder if that's how you think of God, that God uses a deservingness framework, deserving and undeserving. Do you think God has used that category for you? And how could you move from deservedness to belovedness? Maybe it just looks like this week, just noticing when you're keeping score or doing the equation. Maybe just notice it. Maybe that's a good first step. Notice it, feel it, and heal it. That's a good first step. Just notice when you do the math. But I think Jesus is telling us that in the kingdom of God, there is no deserving or undeserving, no scarcity, no equation, no zero sum. There is abundance. There is plenty. So our call today is to move from deservedness to belovedness. There's this really popular phrase that Jesus uses in in Luke 17. He says, uh, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could uproot a tree and plant it in a seed. You've probably heard this. Faith the size of a mustard seed. And I used to think that we should evaluate our faith until it got as big as a mustard seed. That we needed to count it, measure it, so we knew if it was going to get to that size, but Jesus wasn't saying that. He's saying if you have even an unseeable faith, mustard seeds are tiny, they're unseeable, they're not noticeable. Jesus says, You can have an unseeable faith, and it's enough. In other words, you already have everything you need. You already have everything you need. We don't measure, evaluate, or calculate, we trust that we have everything we need. Like the workers who got there first, they got everything they needed. And the workers that got their last, they got everything they needed. Like the boy who shows up in the crowd with two fish and five loaves, he already had everything he needed. A mustard seed, it's plenty. It's enough. We don't evaluate or calculate it. We don't measure it. No, no, no. You already have everything you need. And you, you have everything you need. It might be a friend that helps you. It might be a God that multiplies. It might be a boundary that you have yet to set, but that you know is within you. You already have everything you need. Maybe not on your own, but you have been given everything you need. So hear the voice of love today. Everything isn't all right, but you have everything you need. You may be sad, grieving, exhausted, but you have everything you need nothing is counting for you or against you no one is keeping score there is no formula you have everything you need because you are called beloved 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 so gather this is my prayer for us today turn down the voice of fear that tells you to do more that there's never enough and listen to the voice of love There is no accounting, no equation, no formula. Trust and believe that you are simply beloved and you have everything you need. Amen. We're going to participate in a couple moments of silence and reflection. Uh, There'll be some breath prayers on the screen that you can walk through in this time. And then at the end of that, I'll lead us through our gospel proclamation, and we're going to use that as our benediction today. Gather, hear this good news today. You were created by God, and God calls you good. You are loved by God, and God calls you child. You are rescued by God, and God calls you holy. And by the power of God, through Jesus Christ, you are loved, forgiven, and free. Gather, created, loved, rescued, forgiven, and free, this is who you are. This is the fundamental truth of your identity, whether you feel it or not. You belong to God from eternity to eternity. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well. Gather. Go in peace.